Good morning. I want to start this morning a, um, going back through <clears throat> some of the basic doctrines <clears throat> that we as Primitive Baptists believe. I think that's very important to do from time to time. I went back through the podcast because I couldn't remember um, when the last time that I had done that. And so I scrolled back through the podcast looking, and I got tired of scrolling, so it must have been a while. <laughs> I couldn't find any time recently. Um, but one thing that makes the Primitive Baptist Church what it is is, is what we believe. Um, I'm personally not too interested in going to a church where um, they have the idea of just believe whatever you want to believe, and let's just all kind of get together and sing and hear some you know, very benign preaching that just kind of suits everybody. I'm just not interested in that. Uh, I believe the Bible has doctrine in it. Uh, I believe it has um, specific things that we are to believe and things that are important to understand, um, to to view life through. Um, because it, it really, what your basic foundation is of what you believe is vital uh, to how you view the world. Specifically, uh, something that a conversation that I had um, not not too maybe a couple of months ago um, with a, a young man uh, made me think of just how important this is. Um, this young man, uh, you know, he, he lives you know hundreds and hundreds of miles away. He's not a local boy, um, but he was raised Primitive Baptist. And talking with him, he had. Um, you know, falling in love with a girl who was not raised Primitive Baptist. And they were very close, um, you know, just by, you know, all um, observations, you would have certainly thought they were going to get married. And as they progressed in their relationship, the, uh, you know, she, she knew what this brother believed, and she had even gone to church with him a few times. And well, it, you know, it's getting further and further in the relationship, and it comes to the point where she just basically says, "I just don't believe what you believe." And what happened with this young man was, according to his own testimony, what happened was this young man was he began to grow resentful towards the belief that he had always had because that belief had become a roadblock to him in getting what his heart desired. You understand what I'm saying? He began to have, um, he began to, to put a wall up between him and his parents because his parents had always taught him these things. Now, at this point, you can go one of two ways. One way is you can continue to let bitterness grow up in your heart because of what you have been taught and that is holding you back from uh, marrying this girl. Or you can plant your feet and continue to believe what you believe and walk away. Well, here was the problem. He told me, he said, even though I'd been raised in the Primitive Baptist Church, I could not really defend what I believed. And so I would sit down and talk with her and, and I just couldn't articulate why I believed what I believed. And so obviously he became very frustrated with it. All right. But what this brother did is extremely noble. He went to the word of God and he began to ask 
uh, people questions who he knew could explain it. And he really started to dig into God's word so much so that he told me, he said, I got such a huge relief because not only did I now believe it, I could defend it. And I knew why I believed it. And it extended beyond what I had always been taught. And so he walked away from the relationship with a great sense of peace because he wasn't walking away based on what he'd been told. He was walking away on, based on what he saw himself. Now, that's, a, that's something I hope you remember. Number one, because we have a lot of young people in this church. And if you've ever noticed, there is not a primitive Baptist church on every corner. Chances are you are going to, um, to meet people and become interested in people that don't believe what you believe. And it's important that you understand why you believe and profess what you believe. It's not enough for me to understand it and tell you about it. You need to be able to defend it and understand it yourself. Because when you come into those relationships, if you don't think the devil won't use this church, won't use your relationship with, uh, you know, Brother Tim as the pastor or your parents or whoever has taught you these things. If you don't think the devil won't use that as uh, use those things to put a wedge between you and what is true, you're wrong. He would love nothing more than to use the very doctrine we preach to drive you away from here. So you need to understand it. Now, and I say that, you know, the same goes with my children. My children are, have grown up in this church for the most part, but there's going to come a time when they become interested in people. They've got to be able to know why they believe it. Okay. Now, years ago, I read a book. Um, I, I read a book about something that happened years ago, and it was very commonplace for um, denominations to hold debates uh, against other denominations. You don't really do that anymore today. I, there's, there's part of me that's very intrigued by that, and there's part of me that's terrified by it. Um, but this brother was writing about, you know, they would, uh, they would uh, advertise. You know, it would be, you know, uh, you know, Brother Tim from Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is, and, and so-and-so from this other denomination of church. They're going to be at this place at this time, and they're going to debate one another, maybe on a particular topic, maybe on basic doctrine or whatever and it said the man wrote he said it would draw hundreds upon hundreds of people to sit there and watch them and and um the, the part that terrifies me is he said one time a guy from another order came this is a primitive baptist writing it and he said the guy from the other order just demolished the primitive baptist well that's very unhealthy that's very unhealthy you know um, and so I'm a little cautious of debates, but sometimes I wouldn't mind seeing Brother Tim go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody, you know. <laughs> I think he would do a fine job. But they had these debates about these different things, and, and in those debates, you had to know why you believed what you believed. Okay? Now, if I come up to you and say, well, do, you, do you believe in salvation by grace alone? You say, absolutely, yes, I do. If I said, why? What would you say? Why would you, how would you answer that? Now, <clears throat> I want to look at a few things this morning. Something Brother David said, um, well, let me say this first. Every time I sit down and I try to come up with a way that I would 
present why I believe what I believe. The reason I mention those debates is because the way I want to lay this out to you would be as if I were in a debate. Is if I were up there in front of a bunch of people that had never heard maybe what we believe and it was my job to present it and present it in a way that was, you know, airtight where you got to say, well, that's just the way it is. What's funny about that is I don't even think that would really matter so much because I heard a person say one time that came to visit Bethlehem that did not believe what we believed. And at the end, (laughs) this is what they said. Well, I don't believe what you preached, but I cannot deny that it is not scriptural. You realize what you just said, you know? So as far as the debates go, that's how I want to present this. You ever seen the, the signs of these people? I've seen pictures of them that they'll be sitting somewhere, maybe like on a college campus holding up a sign that'll say something like, tacos are the best food ever, prove me wrong. You, see, you know what I'm talking about? Or, you know, the sky's blue, pr- prove me wrong, or whatever. They're asking to be, to, to, for somebody to come up and present something to them in an airtight case to make them see that they're wrong. Well, I just want to present today what we believe is primitive Baptist. The first of, of probably many sermons, because you need to understand it. Young people, you need to know how to defend it. So every time I sit down to lay this out, I always say, well, you got to start here. And years ago, I said, well, you've got to start with depravity. And then the more I thought about it, I said, no, we got to back that up a little bit. We really got to understand the sovereignty of God. Well, then the more I thought about that, I said, well, you really got to back it up even further. And in a couple years, I'll probably back up a few more steps. But if I were asked to defend what we believe, the first place I would start would be to talk about the authority of God's word. And why would I do that? Because if you don't believe in the authority of God's word, and I do believe in the authority of God's word, there is no reason for us to talk. We will never get on the same page. The very first thing that we have to come to is the authority of God's word. How do you view that? Uh, Brother David said something yesterday. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but I, I got the gist of it. That every entity that exists is held up by two pillars. One is authority and one is submission. And I've thought about that since he said that, and that's absolutely true. You think about it in the workplace, there is an authority, a figure of authority. And then there are employees who have to submit to that authority. In the home, there is a picture of authority and there are children who have to be submissive to that authority. The laws of man. God obviously is the ultimate authority and we have to submit to him. So authority in life is something that we are are very used to. You know, you go down the road and you speed and you break the law. There's an authority figure there that will put you into submission and hold you accountable for that. But what about when it comes to doctrine? I'd love to get through this today, but I probably won't. What about when it comes to doctrine? The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be made perfect. Okay, so the Bible tells us it's, it's bearing witness of itself. The word of God is standing there saying everything about me is inspired by God. And you say, well, you can't bear witness of yourself. Yeah, you can. Jesus could. Jesus did. 
Jesus says, I am the Son of God. The Bible itself proclaims that it is the inspired Word of God. And what is your authority when it comes to doctrine? Let me tell you what it's not. Science is not your authority. Okay, do you understand? You can't base your belief system and your doctrine based on science. Because what science proves true today, science proves false tomorrow. It's exhausting. I don't even read, you know, all these guys out here, and I appreciate them, and I know there's a lot of good. All these guys out there that spend their days doing research, sorry, pal, you can write your paper. I'm not going to read it. Because I can find something that says the exact opposite. You can't find truth in science. Science seems to be ever... Now, obviously, there are some things that are constant and true in science, but science is very, very... It's, it's, it's almost intangible. You can't really sink your teeth into it. But there are people who base their whole belief systems off science. That's their authority. You cannot base your doctrine and your belief system, listen to me on this, on your experience. But people do. Let me give you some examples. I've had people tell me before... We were talking about um, we were talking about uh, the doctrines of grace and salvation, you know, and they said, I just don't believe that. And I'll tell you why I don't believe that, because I distinctly remember hearing the gospel preached and knowing in my mind that I had a choice. All right. So what were they saying? They were saying my experience doesn't line up with what you're saying. So my experience is my authority. Well, you can't do that because the heart is deceitful above all things. Do you know that the Bible talks about a conscience being seared with a hot iron? You can't go out and just say the way I'm going to figure out what sin is, is I'm going to go commit sin and I'm going to have a little list. and I'm going to commit this sin. And if I feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say that's sin. If I don't feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say that's not sin. Well, guess what? You can go out and sin, and if your conscience has been seared with a hot iron, you may not feel that conviction. Your experience is not what you use to base your belief system. You also cannot use your emotion. My goodness, are we not emotional roller coasters? My goodness, we're happy one minute, and we're mad the next minute, and sad the next minute, and back happy again. We'll change emotions 30 times in one day. If you use your emotions, and here's how you use your emotions. I don't believe that because I just don't think God would do it that way. My heart just tells me that God would not plan a method of salvation that way. Okay? You have made your own feelings your authority. You can't do that. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to people, or I have talked to people in the past, and when they say this way, well, I just think... Or I just believe what I'm hearing is I'm basing what I'm saying off my experience or my emotion. Or maybe my preconceived notions. You can't base, based on the story I gave you at the beginning, you can't base your belief system and your doctrine on what you've always been taught necessarily. Because there are some sincere people that will teach you things and they may be teaching you wrong. Your preconceived notions may think, well, I just have always envisioned God as being just a happy-go-lucky grandfather that would never dare discipline his children. 
Your preconceived notions of who God is are, is the, are the glasses that you read the scriptures through and you come to wrong conclusions. Where am I going with all this? Before you can get anybody really to understand what we believe, you've got to get on the same page that we are going to let the word of God be the ultimate authority. Amen. And if it says it, we will submit to it and we will believe it. Now, there's a picture of, of people doing that. Let me just read this to you real quick. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, this is what Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. I'm going to read a couple verses here. He says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And then he goes on and he says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard, this is the gospel, this is not speaking about the living word. He says, when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now listen, here is a picture of people that heard the word of God and they did not hear it as it were something that Paul wrote or something that Peter wrote. They heard it as absolute truth and it was the word of God, not just the writings of men. People that believe and they're out there that say, well, I mean, I believe the Bible, but it's got some errors in it. You know, I think the flood was figurative and, and Mary wasn't truly a virgin and blah, blah, blah. If you believe that way, why do you believe any of it? These people said everything you're saying, 100%, I'm receiving it as it is infallible, without error, it is the truth. Now, I got to check my time here. Let's look at a couple quick examples. <clears throat> Go to Jeremiah, the 36th chapter. A couple quick examples. One of these people, I tell you what, scratch Jeremiah. Let's go to 2 Kings. I want to go to 2 Kings first. In 2 Kings, the 22nd chapter, we're going to look at two quick examples about two different men, which interestingly are father and son, and how two different men look at the Word of God on whether or not it is the authority or whether it is not. 2 Kings, the 22nd chapter. <clears throat> Josiah is the king. The book of the law has been shoved in a basement somewhere, hidden under a bunch of stuff. It is not on the forefront of people's minds. It is not something that they are reading daily and living by. It's hid off, hidden off in a corner. And there are some people that go down there and they're cleaning out, looking for some stuff, and they find it. They find the book of the law. They find God's word. And in 2 Kings 22, <clears throat> in verse 8, it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan, remember that name, Shaphan, said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. 
And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it unto the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. You will continue to read, and I won't read it for the sake of time here. When he, when Shaphan reads the book of the law to the king who is Josiah, Josiah can do a couple of things. Well, yeah, some of that's probably good. Some of that's probably true. There's probably some error in it. You know, probably do good for us to listen to a little bit of it. And what really doesn't suit us, we'll, we'll do something else. And he could have taken that route. Or he could have said, my goodness, we have found the authority. Don't you, don't you, we like authority. I wish somebody would have been digging around in a basement and found a book that said, hey, in 2020, here's the truth about COVID. Here's the truth about vaccines. Here's the truth about masks. Here's the truth about this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Because we still don't really know. Wouldn't you love to have a book and said, this is the absolute authority. That's what they found. And Josiah responds to it in a way that he is so distraught that he has finally seen the standard and they've fallen short of that he rents his clothes and he weeps and is mournful and he calls all the people together and it is a great revival. Why? Because he believed that God's word was the authority. Not his emotions, not his experience, not his preconceived notions, not any of those things. This was it, and he submitted to it. Now, go to the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to look at years have gone by, and now Josiah's son is the king. And Shaphan's son and grandson are the scribes. It's just the next generation down. Jeremiah is a prophet. It says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. That the word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto you, unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. So, Jeremiah is receiving the word of the Lord. And he is writing those things down in a book. And Jeremiah, who is in prison at this time, in verse 5 it says, And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up. That means he is imprisoned. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. But he says, you take this. You take the words of God and you go and you read it in the house of of God. And so he does. And when he's in there reading it, the the son of Shaphan, the scribe, hears what he's saying. And Shaphan, in a lot of ways, has the same response that Josiah had. He's troubled by it. He believes it. And so eventually... You know, Shaphan uh, goes to the princes of the land and Baruch goes and they, and anyway, the, the book makes it to the king. Very similar to what happened with his father. Josiah, the king, is brought a book. 
he reads it, he sees it as the authority, and it changes things for him. Josiah's son has somebody bring him the word of God and read it before him. And it said, now the king, this is Jehoiakim, Josiah's son. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudah had read three or four leaves, that's leaves or columns, had read three or four leaves, that Jehoiakim cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Very different response. One man's tearing his clothes, uh, weeping and crying and submitting to the authority of God's word. The other man says, are you kidding? And he pulls out his knife and he cuts it in little strips and he tosses it in the fire. Now, one man believed in the authority of God's word and one man did not. Father, son, it's amazing how one generation, how so much can be lost in one generation. Let me leave you with this. It is important. I'm speaking to everybody, but especially you young people. It is important that you see the word of God as the ultimate authority and standard in your life. And if the word of God says it, believe it. If the word of God does not say it, don't believe it. You may be pressed one day on, well, tell me why you primitive Baptists believe what you believe, because I'm not going to marry you if you believe that. If you can't come to an agreement that the word of God is the standard and the authority, you'll never get on the same page. Ever. But if you can if you can submit to the fact that the word of God is the authority, because the, the Lord tells us that the flowers fade, that the grass withers, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It says it is like a silver tried in a furnace seven times, meaning that it's been purified so many times there are no imperfections. And that he will preserve it from generation to generation. So the word of and the, the, Jesus himself he, he, himself, he says that the scriptures cannot be broken. That means you, they don't contradict one another. You may say, hey, Luke, you said this one day and you said this the other day and they contradict one another. Yeah, because I'm human. But the word of God will not contradict itself. Now, we may be limited in our understanding of it. And it may seem like a contradiction, but the word of God is infallible and it has been preserved. And I don't have the knowledge or the time to go through and show you all the prophecies that have been fulfilled already in the word of God, which are a screaming testimony that it is true. I wish I could. But this is written by 40 some different authors over thousands of years and it fits together like the best fitting puzzle you'll ever see. That's not my chance. Now, in order for me to talk to you about the sovereignty of God and depravity and things like that, you've got to first submit to this. And if it says it, if I was up here with a debate and I could get a guy to say, okay, I, we will agree to submit that the word of God is the authority and if it says it, then we'll believe it. Now I can get somewhere. 
Because when I start talking about things that go against human nature, he's got to submit to it. We've got to submit to it. If you don't submit to the authority of the word of God, you have made yourself your own God. Do you hear me? If you don't submit to the authority of the word of God, you've made yourself your own God. If you have submitted to the authority of God, praise God. And I hope that you keep submitting to it because there's nothing worse than knowing what is right and not doing it. I would much rather, it, there, and there's a difference. If my children do something that they don't necessarily know they shouldn't do and I've never told them not to do them, it's different how I respond than if I've told them not to do it and they still do it. It is a grave, grave danger to know something is wrong and goes against God's word and just do it anyway. Praise God for his mercy. I hope that's been profitable and I hope that sets the stage for the next coming sermon so you can equip yourself to know how to defend what we believe.